I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. Savage is not a happy, unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. Outside interference here. Yeah. I'm living in a nightmare. But the cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. I am the cream. Yeah, let me say it, yeah. Let me say it out loud. The cream of the crop. I am the cream. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop! I'm on my way. On balance, off balance, doesn't matter. Nobody does it better. All right, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Ginger and Dutch. Here on the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Cheers, Dutch, to a live podcast. Here we are. Yes. Restrictions have been lifted. And uh, it's your so-called second last full-time episode. I'm still working on you. I don't believe it yet. That's it. I don't believe it yet. That's it. We got the Masters review. And, uh, you know, fresh off of, uh, as we record tonight, uh, the late eights on, we just finished watching our first team get into the final four. And you know what? Um, It was a good game. We we got our first game. So um, talk to me about what's happening tonight. We've got... Four rapid fires, I think you want to go with, and then yeah. we're going to get into some some MLB again with uh, the old boy this time, right? You got it. We're rapid firing off here with lots happening in sports, March Madness, a little NBA trade deadline review. Uh, what's ahead for the NBA after uh, the aftermath of the um, the deadline? Obviously, our PGA Tour picks and what happened uh, with the WGC match play and the uh, event down in Punta Cana, and then a little NHL trade deadline update and uh, preview, and then our MLB, MLB preview finishing off the third week of three AL and NL West. So let's fire right into it. We've been going uh, a little bit overtime with the last few podcasts, uh, well up over an hour, so we'll try to keep this one down to around our standard time. Good luck with that. Good luck with the old boy, right? So, yeah. Um, March Madness. You talked about it, Sweet 16. We're into the Elite Eight now, first game tonight. What do you think? Yeah, and I kind of like watching some of the, the coming home from work and watching the Monday night games, and we've got two again tomorrow. Um, cool to see a couple Cinderella teams still alive. you got a 12 seed, you have an 11 seed. Well, we had a 12 seed until the Beavers just lost uh, to, tonight against uh, Houston. Good for Houston. They pretty much dominated the first half, struggled a little bit in that second half there, um, although they, they – out rebounded them, and that was the difference in the game. Eighteen to seven on the offensive glass was a, just a, a big, big uh, difference tonight. So nice to see Houston in the final four. Um, but you said it. You've got these. The elite teams are left. You've got three number ones. Michigan. Uh, they're going to get a tough matchup against UCLA. UCLA's hot right now, coming in as the eleven seed. Gonzaga looks just as we said. They just look like they're unstoppable. I don't see if I don't see USC. Even with the boys there, I just don't see USC having enough to get through. Um, and then again, we just saw the Cougars, so we've got our first team in the dance. Um, what do you like about it so far? My bracket's still alive. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I still have my final four intact, folks. Yes, I do, even with Houston winning. So I'm one for one, and I'm just I, – I, it's glorious right now. Yeah, a couple things that I, I saw, you know, backtracking to, and I know we're, we're talking about the, uh, the Elite Eight as it happens right now, but – in Sweet 16, I saw a bunch of teams that didn't really play their best basketball. Yeah, uh, coming off of a, a you know time to prepare for the game. You look at 
Creighton didn't, you know, Gonzaga was better than them. And I'm not saying that Creighton could have won the game, yeah. but didn't play their best game. Um, you're looking at Florida State. Uh, didn't play their best game. Not at all. Right? Um, Alabama, 11 for 25 from the free throw line. Didn't play their best game. Loyola, uh, you know, 19 or 14 points in the first half. First half. Syracuse, Buddy Beheim didn't play their best game. So that's what really surprised me about the Sweet 16. And, and ultimately, the madness kind of disappeared from the tournament because of that. Yep. And a lot of games were, were stretched open in terms of, uh, you know, what the differential was in points. But... Now that we're into the Elite Eight, like you said, we're, we're down to the nitty-gritty now. And I just, like you said, I think the teams that we thought would be here are going to be there. And I think you're going to see the cream rise to the top, as I would always say. And you're going to see a pretty chalk Final Four, I believe. Yeah, and, and tonight's game will be a, a telltale. Uh, um, you know, you got Baylor-Arkansas going on it tonight. And, and neither team had good shooting performances in their in their uh, Sweet 16 game. Baylor in particular, uh, they're going to have a tough goal. If they're, if they're not throwing, shooting from three-point land and they're not taking care of business, uh, you know, Arkansas might be able to stay in that. I, I liked Arkansas earlier in the, the tournament. We talked about it. Yeah. Uh, not to revert back to it, you had the Cougars even almost two months ago saying you thought that, that were, they were one of the teams to beat, and they clearly proved it, and, uh, and they're there. So... Um, it'll be interesting to see. I'm really excited for it. I can't wait to watch the end of the game tonight. And then uh, we got two more good games. And uh, let's see where this final four shapes up for sure. Yeah, and I think I think everybody to a, to a man and woman now, you know, do we not want to see? Like I, I, I talked off air with a couple of people yesterday. How could you not at this point in the tournament? You know, like you said, the Cinderella is nice. Yep. But how can you not want to see Gonzaga, Michigan, Baylor, Houston in the final four? Yeah, unless you're going to see. Time out here. Unless you were going to see Oregon State and UCLA in the finals, uh, right? I mean, yes. sorry, well, where they're yes. bracketed. Yeah, by, yeah. yeah, you know yep. what I'm saying, right? If yep. not, I agree with you 100%. Now we're into that. Let's see that final four. Best. And that final four, if it goes to my prediction, which, again, yeah, it's an easy way out. And But, you know, I have Michigan. I have uh, Zags. I have Baylor. And I have Houston. And I've got ultimately, which we talked about way back before this whole thing even shook down with everything going on before they even started. We said, you know, Baylor and Gonzaga, they were ranked number one yep. and number two. And apparently these guys know what they're talking about, even though I make fun of it all the time and say the brackets and the rankings and stuff. Well, look yeah. where we are right now. But to defend you, though, you've always said, you did. we have always said that outside of the top six to eight, that it's, it is, it was very wide open. Yes. For, from, you know, to me, I, I look at it from six up, six up. You know, you look at your, your ones, okay, you know, um, Purdue gets eliminated and Ohio State gets eliminated. Yeah. Sorry, Illinois, I meant to say. Yeah. Illinois gets eliminated, Ohio State gets eliminated. But, and you know, you throw Houston in there, those top six teams. But after that, it, it, I said it on the last podcast, throw them in a hat yeah. and put them there. So, throw them in a hat. And I think what your point was more of, you know, the, that bottom half, that, you know, how come how come Kansas all of a sudden wins three games in the middle of the season and, and skyrockets up to 17? Yeah. When a team like Creighton or Stri- strictly or conference play, strictly right? conference yeah. play, and yeah. I think that was more your point. Yeah, we never talked about the top teams not being the top teams, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah, right. it'll be interesting to see. I think what it for me would impress me a couple of teams that impressed me. Michigan impressed me a lot, especially against Florida State with their execution in the half court. Yep. It was phenomenal. Like it was just textbook. And they lost. Basketball. They lost one of their uh, their starters early yep. in the game Liberty, too, yeah. right? Yeah, yep. absolutely. So. It'll be time will tell if they can hold hold it together for uh, for the for a big matchup coming up, which I think ultimately you're right. It'll be the final four, and then let's see if they've got enough uh, uh, to disrupt uh, Gonzaga in their play. Right? Yep. Yeah. 
So um, let's switch to the NBA. We're still on basketball, so let's switch to the NBA. You wanted to just talk briefly about, you know, the trade deadline and, uh, you know, who were the winners and losers. We, uh, you know, we're going to, you know, let's look at uh, Oladipo, who I've just never been sold on. Uh, Norm Powell goes to the Blazers. Um, you've got Gordon and McGee maybe to the Nuggets was a big one. Nothing really. I think Hill to the 76ers was a big impact. But what, what did you see? And you know what? I don't want to talk about Lowry and, and this whole thing. Listen, the, if the Raptors didn't get the deal they wanted, of course, that's not why Lowry went. And you know what? You've got to run the risk of, of letting them walk away. People are always going to criticize it no matter which way you do. I think they got some value for, for Powell. Um, because he was ultimately going to get a, a, a pretty damn good contract. So um, enough for the Raptors because they're clearly packing it in. They're down 20 tonight against Detroit, and they're clearly packing it in. And it's time to come home to Toronto, folks, because we can't keep doing this with the team. So as far as the trade deadline goes, what who was your biggest winner? Okay, so I, I will put one last bow tie on the Raptors, and that is they did get some value because they got a guy – and Gary Trent Jr., yeah. that, that they can resign and they can keep here and develop. So yeah. that was good. So that'll be the last point on the Raptors. Yeah. In terms of winner and losers, we'll always start with the losers. And you talked about this team and whether they were going to try to make a big splash. And to me, that was the Denver Nuggets. They lost on, They lost out on not only the trade market, they also lost out on the buyout market. They didn't get the two big pieces in the buyout market mm-hmm. and Drummond and Aldridge, the two big men. And Aaron Gordon to me is just not enough of a not enough of a piece. Yep. Uh, and maybe there was no pieces when you really break it down in this in this trade deadline and what was available in terms of uh, you know movement. But I just don't see the Denver Nuggets making enough of a splash there. I was hoping that they would really try to get to push over the top against someone like the Jazz uh, and both LA teams. So I got the Nuggets as a as a loser, and I also got a team that. A player that you've talked about, you had in your top five, and you were talking about how he might or didn't have enough help. Yeah, over maybe the last we've few got years. the pieces now in Lillard. I know you're going that yep. way. Yeah, in Portland, and it's you yep. know you got McCullum there, and whether you believe he's a top five shooter in the NBA or not, because I know I took some heat on that. But whether you believe that or not, you've got to help that guy out. He is a superstar in the league. You know whether he's top five or not, he's definitely in the top ten, and you you didn't help him out. The, the 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 non-move the movement there was the silence was deafening to me that they believe that as the number five seed currently right now in the West and you don't make any moves with what you're staring up at in a hot Utah team you still got the Lakers yep. LeBron's coming back you got Kawhi and Paul George and the Clippers and you didn't make a move and you feel after all these years now I think we're what year six seven eight on McCollum and Lillard and they still haven't pushed over the top yep. maybe they needed a little help. And Carmelo Anthony's not good enough to, to No, make he's that. not. And let's hope we're not over-evaluating, as we, you always say that word. I hope we're not over-evaluating uh, a Norm Powell. But listen, he's already made a direct impact right off the, the start. You know, he, he opens up uh, from a new team. He goes 7 for 13 and has 22 points. And, you know, and that was with no Lillard. And, and, yeah. and you're right. I, it, it, it is a good piece. Whether it takes them past those four teams in the, in the West is besides or remains to be seen if that's going to happen, right? Yeah. Winners, um, I had a couple winners that didn't make any moves, and, and one that made a small move, Utah Jazz. Um, some would say, well, if you got Portland not making a move, but hey, you got the best record in the NBA. Yeah. Sometimes the best move is no move. It's no and, move. And I know you got Matt Thomas, um, who's a, a nice little, you know, ninth, tenth player that can come off the bench and, and hopefully, you know, get hot yeah. from time to time. So I, I stick with what's working. Um, I like the Jazz not making any moves, and I also like. The New York Knicks, 
We've talked about it. Yep. You're building it. Don't sell the future. And they, yeah, and they definitely Con- didn't. Continue to build and uh, see what you can do. Another loser I had on that far side I missed was the Phoenix Suns. Not sold. I've talked about how I'm not sold. Um, not, you know, no real major moves there. Yeah. Was a little disappointed. Do you like Oladipo going to the Heat, though? I mean, I, as I said earlier, I, I'm not sold on him. I mean, it sure, surely is going to help Jimmy Buckets. We, we, I get it. Um, but I just, I don't know. He's never really done anything for me. And I know his stats, surely his stats are there. But I don't know. Is that enough to, to push them to the top in the East? I mean, they're, it's wide open four through eight right now. We know that. But one through three, eh, like, they're not going to get themselves into that that spot. They're going to be lucky to get up to four. Yeah, I think they sit right now, or Celtics might be there actually right now. I think it's enough to get them to four. Yes. By the time the season's out. Lock them in at four. Yeah, yeah. lock them in at four. Yeah. You, you know, you're maybe lucky to squeak three um, at, at, a, at a good finish. What it does guarantee is that you're going to be competitive in the, in the playoffs the whole way through. Yeah. And you know what? For what you've seen in the bubble last year from from Miami and that squad, I think he's worth the risk. I he's worth he's, the risk. I They're, think he's worth the risk to yeah. to say, you know what? Hey, if we can get this guy, we've got Jimmy Buckets, we've got Bam Adebayo, you know, we've got Duncan Robinson, we've got some pieces around. They're barely in a playoff spot though right now. They're twenty two and twenty four, and yep. they actually are sitting eighth right now. Believe it or not, the Knicks are all the way up to fourth at 24 and 22. But I did say it was wide open. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe they can get into the fourth, but I they're they're not going to. I mean, the Sixers and the Nets and the Bucks are kind of locked in at, uh, you know, the top three. There's I can't see anybody climbing up that high. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But it's – I hate using your word chalk, but the, the NBA to me looks like it's the top three or four on each side right now, and that's really where it's going to come down to. I can't see there being any – Major shocks this playoff run. No, you'd be you'd be looking. I agree. I can't argue that you'd be shocked to see somebody pull off a major major upset yeah. Yeah. Um, from the eight uh, seven eight seed, yeah. or even a team that plays in. And you know, we're not going to see any UCLA here. No. You know, beating Michigan State in the playing game and finding themselves in uh, in the lead eight matchup. Not a chance. I did like the Drummond uh, pickup in the in the buyout market though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Going to the Lakers, just another piece, uh, another big man to add to help Mm -hmm. um that'll definitely provide some good depth yeah i agree pga tour lots of talk about on the pga tour um and golf in general the ladies were back at the kia classic um we also had the off schedule event or the second event on the pga tour if you will um for the event down in uh in putacana a couple nice shout outs there david hearn good final round finding himself up in the t13 and michael gligic with a T4, actually held the lead on Sunday at yeah. one point. So nice finish by some Canadians down there in Punta Cana. Yep. Enjoying some nice, warm, windy weather. But uh, the big event and the big talk of the week was the big boys, and that was the match play, WGC match play. What do you think, Dutch? I know you got a lot to lot, lot to talk about on this. Yeah, one. you know what? I tried to watch a lot of it, but I just found myself into a snooze fest on uh, on on Sunday, especially. But. Um, it's a fun event to watch. Uh, however, the big guns just didn't show up to play. Uh, you only had one guy go through into the into the rounds that mattered, into the knockout rounds, and yeah. that was John Rum. You know, I thought our picks were great, and I'll, I'll just touch on that real briefly. I mean, you know, you picked Bubba out of that, which was which was great. He comes out of the and gets into the Sweet Sixteen. Well, uh, I was rolling. Yeah, you know, he went four up. Uh, 
four up on Brian Harmon in the Sweet 16 round, and I was uh, I thought here I was we ready go. to tell the world, Bubba, 100 to one, here we come. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. In Elite 80, he was on knocking on the door, and then he fell apart. Garcia looked unbelievable. He looked unstoppable. He makes it to the Elite Eight, and then he falls apart. Yeah. And then, you know, going into Saturday, you're looking at okay, well. well Who's the guy that's going to win this tournament? It's John Rahm. And he runs into a buzzsaw with Scotty Scheffler. And then all of a sudden, Scotty turns around and just disappears. But you said it off air. There's a reason why they only do this event once a year. And that's because you just it's just such a mixed bag of tricks. And for any golf fan, and we've talked about this right from the very first day we made this podcast, Ginge. Five hours to play two guys to play a match that only went to the 17th hole. How does anybody watch it? You got, you got the human rain delay and Billy Horschel with his setup. Scotty Scheffler was, his head was spinning and I know the conditions were tough, but he was double checking, triple checking every single putt. Uh, You talked about Garcia and his debacles with his grip things. Mackenzie Hughes wasn't playing too quick. And then you look at the other match. Look at Victor Perez on the first hole in the, in the semifinal, in the, sorry, in the consolation final. I don't even think you know the rules. Oh, my gosh. He was he was playing six from the front of the green, and Kuchar hadn't even played three yet. It, it was, uh, and he didn't give him the hole. No, it was it was, it was was entertaining at first, and then I just I, I, I lost interest uh, when it just was taking forever to play, and they weren't really doing anything. And that was obviously part and part of the, you know, the 40, 40 kilometer gust winds and that golf course can play havoc. It's awesome when it's calm. They're driving the greens on yep. that, on the amazing hole on the back nine there. I can't yep. remember. Thir- yes, 13, 13, thank you. Yeah. Yep. Um, it, so there's some fun in the par threes are fun and challenging, but all in all was a good event. Um, <sighs> onward to a crappy event, which is the one leading up to the Masters, which is the next event coming up, right? So I don't have much more to talk about on the match play. I just thought that, you know, um, kudos to Billy Horschel. You know what? He got the job done. He did what he was supposed to do, um, like him or not. Um, You know, for 34 years old, that's a sixth uh, tour win out there. And, you know, including a FedEx championship, the guy's guy's legit, man. Yeah. No, a couple, you know, I I got thinking about it after it was done on Sunday and, as crazy as it be as it would be, but could you could you get to a final four and then just go out as a foursome and one group and do like a stroke play, one eighteen hole stroke play event, four guys in the final four, mm-hmm. done, mm-hmm. right? Because you nailed it. Like you just lost interest, and and you said it best on the telecast. There's just not enough golf to show not because there's only four guys out on the golf course, yep. and they just start to overanalyze every move and all they do is show guys walking up to the ball and this and that, and, yep. you know, Faldo's trying to be entertaining and, and that's not what Faldo's there to do. He's there to call golf and provide, provide a professional analyst to golf because he's done it before. Right. Yes. So yep. maybe a, a, a quick change of the format, Scotty Scheffler, unreal 15, uh, birdie 15 out of 31 holes on Saturday. <laughs> Buzzsaw yep. takes out both Spaniards and Garcia and Rom. So that was incredible. Want to ask you one question, Scotty Scheffler, Billy Horschel? Will we see them at the Ryder Cup in the fall? They're 18th and 22nd on the current Ryder Cup standings right now. Who the hell's going to want to play with them? <laughs> <laughs> maybe they'll play on the same. Maybe they'll play on the same. Put group. them together. Put them as part. But my <laughs> point being, you know what? You, you show well in a match play event. You showed Captain Stricker, who I believe is. Well, he's Captain Stricker. Yeah. And. 
Do you think they can squeeze in? I don't know if you'll see Billy Horschel. I think the best is yet to come with Scotty, and I think you might see a, a Scotty in there. And I'm not discrediting because I just told you he's six championships for uh, for Horschel, but he just he doesn't seem to be consistent. And, and Scotty just keeps moving his way up the ladder. He's he's in those likes of he's going to start to pop into those likes with as I said to you with Wolf and Hovland and Morikawa and those yeah. guys. He is going to be the future of 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 USA golf for sure. Um, so yeah, you could see him in that in that position down. Down the road, I won't count them out on that. Absolutely. So let's switch over now to the this week's event, the Valero Texas Open at TPC San Antonio. Greg Norman designed little assistance from Sergio. Par 72, 7,400 yards, 145 slope with a 74-4 rating for all the listeners out there. Um, not overly long. For, not, right? Nope. Not overly long. Yeah, it, it's usually an exciting tournament, even though it has a lesser field. Um, and and you know what, I'm always I always look forward to it now, especially that we're doing our stuff. And one thing I wanted to touch on, and, and I'm I'm looking at it again this week with my picks, although it's a little harder because of the the type of field. But you really noticed last week, and we always kind of pick it when we do it. Horses for courses, home home court advantage. You know, Scotty, Texas guy, yeah, right. Um, Sergio, I touched on it when I made my pick. So you really have to start paying attention. If you if you are a gambler and you want to dig deep into picks and stuff, you really got to know where these guys play out of, where they're from, and where they like to, you know, what types of grass they like. Because yeah. that's, you know, and I'm not a big fan of, well, who hits fairways and who doesn't. I mean, and, and I think Azinger said it on on TV a couple times. I mean, the, the fairway stat's so overrated now because of the fact that these guys are just so strong and they just hit at a country mile. Yeah. They don't give a shit if they hit the fairway. Yeah. So, but yeah, Valero, Texas, um, you know, week before the Masters, who do you got? Tell me who you got, because uh, mine picks are just, uh, there's only a couple big studs in the field, and I stuck away from them, so. Well, I'm piggybacking off what you just said there, and I didn't even know you were going to say it. I'm going hometown boy. Oh, there you go. 2015 winner of this event. <laughs> Hasn't done much on the tour lately, but he does play well at this event. In 2017, he was 13 out, right? 2018, he was fourth outright, and 2019, he was 30th. An extreme dark horse. I haven't even checked what the odds are, but my dark horse pick of the week is Mr. Jimmy Walker. Jimmy Walker. Is he bringing a, is he bringing a wood stick driver out or an old steel shafted driver? Right. <laughs> That's it. Nice. I, love nice. It. I like Jimmy Walker. Too bad he kind of disappeared. Yeah. Uh, my rock steady pick of the week, he's had uh, great success at this event t14 in 2017 7th outright in 18 and third in 19 mr ryan moore i'm going team america this week mm, i got a ryan in my picks and i'm riding my big gun of the week he's finally starting to get his game back he was third outright in the match play last week he always makes the cut at this event t7 last year Gearing up for the Masters, he loves Augusta. Cooch. Cooch. <laughs> Matty Coocher. I got Ryan Moore, Matty Coocher, Jimmy Walker. Get the red, white, and blue pom-poms out, folks. Team America We're again. Team America for the second time in three weeks. I sense a theme here. I sense a theme here. Mine's very simple. I have just very little on it. You can dig deep on the stats, but um, I was told to cut the podcast not too crazy, crazy long, so I'm not going to go deep since it's, <laughs> since, it's a, since it's a lesser long field. But uh, you know what? I don't really have a, a rock steady pick. I got just a bunch of mishmash, 50 to 1, 50 to 1, 30 to 1. So let's start with the bottom guy. And there's this is a few courses where now at this this his age and where he stands on 
the tour right now. He's a major champ. He's done his thing. He's 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 always seems to be around on some of these events. Zach Johnson. Yeah, just, nice just think he's he's got good, a good win player too. Good win player, win absolutely. Texas, that's good pick. This one, I don't know. I just kind of threw it out there again. He's a fifty to one. Um, and I'm looking for stuff. Listen, he's familiar with the track. You know, he's T23 a couple years ago. Uh, and I just, I just, it's not even a, there's no real rhyme or reason on it. And that's the young kid, Sammy Burns. He's All playing right? well. He's playing well and yeah. I like it. But my, 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 we'll call it my lock of and, the week. And put it this way. Listen, listeners, we, we don't want to pick the same guys every week. No, that's right. So we're trying to find different guys. Well, yeah. And if we keep picking a, a DJ or a JT, we get yelled at for that. So ha ha ha. I'm just kidding. You know, nobody does that. But cause everybody does like a winner. Um, but I, I think I've got. I think I got a guy. I think I got a guy that's that's really solid. Um, nobody ever talks about this guy at all. He's he's in the top thirty in the world. Okay, he's been in the top ten three times here over the past five or six years. He's at thirty to one. He doesn't play a lot much or on on tour right now, or you don't see him or hear of him a lot, and that's why it's hard to just pick a guy out of there. But I love where he's at, and I'm that's Ryan. Is. Palmer. Ryan Palmer. So that's who I'm picking. I, 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 like I said, we're sticking away from the, there's only two or three big studs in this, uh, this yeah. tournament. I think Tony Fino's in there. I think DJ's in now. DJ's um, in although there, DJ, yeah. I don't know what he's doing right now. Cause he just hasn't seemed to care after I uh, hit that crazy, crazy streak, but you know, he's going to have his game uh, ready to go for, uh, for the masters in two weeks from now. So this is going to be a good prep for him, but I don't think he really cares if he wins this week. I think he's just trying to get some stuff figured out and get ready for, uh, for Augusta. Again. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, but don't be surprised. Uh, Kevin Nam might have fired him up with that whole conversation last week. That's a whole um, other so. ball game, actually. And, and sorry, before I switch to the last topic, forget the Kevin Nam thing because that was just a joke. But that the ruling, uh, in, for our listeners that that are golfers and that, uh, I was just boggled. Um, and it's a, a rule that I never even knew in match play that that, um, and it happened twice on one of the. I think it was on the in the semifinals. It happened twice. Now might have even been in the finals with Scotty, where he was closer. To the hole, but yet he was in the water. So he actually had to go back, and it actually happened on the 13th hole when he hit yeah. the water. I think it was the semis. So yeah, he against Kucher. Yes. Yeah. So Kucher has to play first. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Scotty's Scotty's 170 yards back, but because he was closer when his ball landed in the water, the other guy plays in match play. It's a very interesting stat. Look it up, and if you don't know what I'm talking about. You'll 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 see it along the way. It's just a very rare time where you'll ever see that happen in match play, and I just thought that was very interesting. And that happened twice, twice in 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 the span of a half hour. Yeah, it's a bullshit rule. It's a stupid rule. It's another bullshit golf rule. I'm sorry, I'm a golf professional, but this game's got too many rules, and that's another one of the bullshit rules in this sport. Yeah. Um, the guy's not even in play. He's at the bottom of the water. Yeah. And now you got a guy from 170 yards, and Kucha's playing from 36 yards away from the green. Yeah. Come on. What happened to farther away? Give yeah, me a break. The guy's taking a drop. Let him take his drop. Let him play in. Like, yeah. If I'm Cooch, I'm fired up with that. Yeah. And I know it's the rules of the golf, but yeah. Who? First off, I know both. Neither of those guys knew that rule, so somebody must have told them. Yeah, that's right. Hard to, nobody's going to know that rule, right? And, no. And I guess now you know they do play that course a lot, and and that probably happens where they hit it in the water. But maybe half the time, if there's no big TV coverage, there's no maybe maybe they've effed that one up a bunch of times. Because I know Fogel said he that he did it back in the day, uh, and and he made a, a mistake on that rule because he didn't know it. So, anyways, like you said, dumb rule. There's lots of dumb rules in golf, but time last, to change it. Last topic before we uh, take a break here um, on our rapid fire. You wanted to just touch base real quickly on NHL trade deadline coming up on April twelfth. Who's our buyers? Who's our sellers? You know, 
If you like the fact, uh, I think it makes sense with the seven-day quarantine. You know, you know the Leafs are going to be making a push, uh, and that's seven-day quarantine for uh, American teams, American players getting traded over to uh, the Canadian division. So um, that's an interesting stat. Buffalo, um, are they going to try and do a fire sale? But my question to you is, um, is there going to be any noise? Because it, it, it seems like the last – five, six, seven years, this this whole big hoopla that we put about with hockey trade deadline and we spent seven different uh, sports um, sports uh, broadcast networks, yeah. networks have them on all day long and yet nothing comes about it. It's the biggest waste of cockamamie bullshit that I've ever seen. 100%. So is there anything going to happen? Do you see any any big things happening, especially now even with, with all the stuff going on with, with COVID protocols? Not only the COVID protocols, but the cap. And the cap. Well, we always said, I mean, the cap's cap. The we cap, get that one. The yep. cap's cap, but I think this one's especially because now it's now you're trying to project not only what's available, what's out there, what's the price for it. You're also trying to project what the hell's the cap going to be and, you know, can I take on a big fish um, knowing about what the cap situation could or couldn't be. Yeah. So it'll be definitely interesting to see. Do I think a lot's going to happen? No. Yeah, I don't. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the conservative route. I don't think. I think there's some moves out there that can definitely help teams, and I think there's some teams that are gonna have to decide what they want to be. Yep. Um, and I think there's one thing that we can say in this market that we've seen that we might not have seen in the last two or three years is that you know when you go down those standings, and you know, like always, I don't claim to be the NHL expert here, but. What I do see when I look at those standings is is I see clear buyers and clear sellers, and I, we didn't always see that the last two or three years. Yeah, you know when you when you look at you look at the team, you know the Islanders they got to be a buyer, right? This is you know the the fourth time in five years here with Trots that you found yourself relatively up there in the standings. Sure, go make a move to try to push. You know you've made it into the second round, you made it into the third round. It's time to try to make that push to go get a cup. Yeah, Carolina, why not? I know you talked about. All these names that not these these non household names, yeah. But Carolina, go get go get one of these guys, yeah. Right, Florida, why not? Yeah, go Wallen. push again. Next lad goes down, huge, right? Yeah. So they're going to be looking for a defenseman out yep. there. Yeah, and then you know your sellers. We all know who the sellers are. You're you're looking at San Jose. You're looking at Anaheim. You're looking at Buffalo, like you talked about. It's Detroit. You can still pick them for a couple of the pieces. Um, Columbus. You know, what are, what are they maybe, they're kind of, to me, one of the start of those teams where, you know, decide what you want to be. Are you, are you keeping torts and, and, and he's your guy and, you you know, are you going to send out another superstar in line eight? Yep. Off. So that's a team that would have to decide. Another team is, is Chicago. You talked about, you, you saw them falling down the standings. Sure. And they've got some, some younger pieces starting to come up. Um, on that team, including including goaltending. Yep. But you know, is it time? Is it time to send off and make a blockbuster move? And and that's where that cap situation comes into play. Yep. And then Philly, we've seen Philly just absolutely plummet, fall apart, just plummeted. Right? Yeah. Losing again to Buffalo tonight. The last time I checked, three nothing. Which it's going to be hard for them though. For Philly, for it will be hard to get rid of some of those players because I still think that they they feel like they're building for the they're in that spot where they think they're building for a you know. A possible championship contender and that's where I thought they were going down that direction too so 
Um, I want to talk about some players that we won't talk about this week. Let's, yeah. let, I mean, you might have a couple in there, but let's, let's find a few players that we think could be, uh, could be key trade acquisitions. Um, maybe we'll, we'll gear that up for next week. I know we're going to be talking about the masters, uh, uh, a ton next week, but, um, maybe you have a guy or two in mind right now. And if you don't, then, uh, let's, let's look up, uh, where we, where we're at here. I know there was some, you know, early talks of, you know, your Taylor Hall and, you know, a few movements that way, but yeah. I, I don't have any players that, that on the top of my head here where, um, who's going to, who's going to be the major most likelihood or the top 10, uh, guys that are going to go. Do you have anybody on your list there at all? Or? Yeah. You, you know, you're hearing the, the early names. You got Zingle from, from Ottawa, you know, Connor Garland from, from Arizona. But I think a lot of the general managers in terms of some of these bigger names and some of these blockbuster moves, um, and even from a lot of the prognosticators and just listening around, is the, the they're waiting to hear what's going to happen yeah. with this cap. They're trying yeah. to get an answer before yeah. they can start to market some of these big name guys to try to be able to maneuver around. Is so, that going to happen though? Are they going to give us an give the answer out or no? I don't, I don't think, think behind the scenes, you, you know, you would yeah. get that the final thing. So because yeah, we're only like, like thirteen days away. From that's that, right? right. So let's yeah. aim for next week. We can really start to uh, start to zero in on sure. you know six to eight players and and maybe a challenge me and you to come up with a you know a fantasy trade if you will. Yeah. Or, you know a big name move. Love it. That we uh, we feel that can happen or one maybe that we've heard uh, through the grapevine that uh, that we can analyze and take a look at. And, I got and one. I'll on. figure it out. Absolutely. Beautiful. Well, let's uh, send our listeners off to break. When we get back, we're going to finish up with our little MLB preview. We're looking at AL and NL West. We're going to ride the old boy because I've done about all the baseball uh, analysis and preview that I can possibly do. So I don't. Well, I'll, hang, I'll hang around for this one. I want to make fun of you guys because uh, I'm going to just listen. But I'm sure I'll add a few things. But I, I'm curious to see uh, if the old boy can step it up again because he seems to know what he's talking about and. Uh, I'm just curious to see where he's got Houston fitting because I know you weren't high on it, which uh, I'm 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 really curious to see. And the NL West there's really not much to talk about besides uh, the Dodgers and the and the Padres, but can't wait. All right, listeners, when we get back, we'll catch you on the flip side. I cannot believe these guys picked me to do their next ad. They're lucky they wrote me something to say because if it were up to me, I would expose them for who they really are. They think they can talk NFL football? Look at them. One guy has red hair and glasses and cheers for the Bills, and the other guy has ears the size of Dumbo and is a Vikings fan. Give me a break, guys. Fantasy football? They know nothing. I am a back-to-back champion and own their league. Ginger and Dutch? More like a loser and sucks. Oh, shit. Did I just send them this ad? Ah, well. You are now listening to the Ginger and Dutch podcast, where real-life sports passion meets real-life sports talk. All right, folks. Welcome back from break. Hope you enjoyed a little segment there from the Ginger and Dutch podcast. And we're going to bring in our MLB specialist, friend of the show. I think this is his sixth time on. Always nice to have Dutch and the old boy together here on the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Old boy, you with us? I am. How are you doing, boys? Thanks for having hey, me back. Hey, hey, I'm happy to be on uh, listening to your expertise as usual there, old boy. So oh, uh, I'm looking boy. forward to, to sitting in here, boys, and seeing what you got all uh, all about here. I'm excited to uh, hear what you got to say, especially about the AL West. Uh, I already said off air, there's not much to talk about on the NL West, but I'm sure you'll have a few things to say. So, Well, let's uh, let's fire it up. Old boy, we've, uh, we've been going at it here uh, two out of the last three weeks, giving our little baseball preview, and we are 
T minus 72 hours away from baseball in 2021. Let's start off with the AL West. We got those Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. We got the Astros. We got the Athletics, the Rangers, and the Mariners. Old boy, fire in. Where do you see the AL West breaking down here? Yeah, listen, um, I think you're going to get a nice little three-horse race here this year. I do think so. I really do think that, you know, you can kind of make a case for, you know, any of Oakland, Houston, or the Angels to kind of make a run. And, and I think you can probably see all three of them get in, you know, north of 80 wins on the season. Um, that Seattle team's going to be fun to watch. They got a ton of high-profile uh, young prospects. And they even had a couple kids last year, obviously Kyle Lewis headlining that team. Uh, AL Rookie of the Year last year. They got a couple real nice young pieces, and they're going to be exciting. I think, you know, depending upon when these guys get up, they're going to be a fun team to watch. And then you have a dumpster fire in Texas. You know, I think it's kind of ironic that they're going to be opening things up and having fans in the stands because, you know, I don't think a lot of guys are going to want to go and, and pay to see these guys play anyways. They're going to be, uh, you know, bottom of the barrel. I, I, you know, I saw the headline today about Roughnet or Door not even making the, uh, the you know, the, the final roster here. He looks like he's going to probably retire ahead off into the sunset here at, uh, you know, with a couple of years left on his contract. But, yeah, listen, I, um, you know, I see it maybe coming out a little bit differently than most here. You know, Dutchie or, sorry, Ginger, you and I had a chat offline here a couple of weeks back, but. And I'm super high on those angels. I think, um, you know, a couple things got to break their way. Um, but I think the big thing for me with those guys is I'm super bullish on a, a real big bounce back here from Shohei Otani. I think that's going to be the catalyst for them to make a move and, and potentially try and win this thing this year. I don't know. What, what do you guys see? How do you see it shaking up here in terms of who, who do you have your eye on and, and what are you excited to see pay out this year? Yeah, well, uh, I would just want to throw out the, the, the Rangers. I couldn't agree more with you. And you, you, you look at it's far more likely that these guys are going to end up uh, getting rid of uh, a, a ton of guys like a Gallo, uh, Jordan Lyles, a Kyle Gibson. I, I think all those guys are going to end up getting flipped for some prospects. So uh, Texas, no doubt, is going to be at the bottom. Um, I agree with Seattle being down below, but, and you are right. Um, uh, the Los Angeles, um, angels, they can pound the ball. The team can hit. You said it, you've got Trout, you got a uh, Trout, you got a Tawny, uh, Anthony Rendon, plenty of offense, but the problem is their pitching staff. Talk to me who, who, who's on their team. You've got Griffin Canning. He's going to be their top starter. That's all I got. That's all I can say. I mean, the- so, I, I, listen, I, I'm banking on Otani basically coming back from that Tommy John and being fully recovered and pitching at that right. level he did before the procedure, right? So if he comes back and he comes back as an ace or like as a number two, mm-hmm. um, listen, Dylan Bundy had a nice little year last year. Like, you know, I think for a lot of us here as Jays fans, you're thinking of the Dylan Bundy you saw in Baltimore for years, getting his face kicked in every five days. But, you know, he kind of came in and listen, this was a high pedigree guy when he came out as a big time prospect. And he probably took a little bit longer than most to get up and running, but you know, I could see him coming in this year with an ERA under four. And I think, you know what, they made a couple really kind of minor little moves this year, which I thought were, were pretty nice to add some depth. They brought in Jose Quintana as a free agent. And they also made a little bit of a deal with the Orioles to bring in Alex Cobb to kind of help give him a little bit more depth than that three, four, five. And, you know, you mess, you mess, uh, sorry, you mentioned Griffin Cannon. And, like, you know, again, he's, he's a young kid. Yeah, They're not expecting him to be a stud. But if he can come in and give you, I don't know, 175 innings of, like, decent, you know, ball you know let's say you know again an era in that four to four and a half range i think for me it just comes down to when i was looking at where the angels fit in it was not so much about what they did it's that what happened to the the astros and the A's in terms of who they lost year over year 
And that was a big thing in, 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 of me reaching that conclusion of them getting to the top of the division this year. Yeah. Right? So. And I know Oakland, they, they've lost a couple pieces, but they've still got enough there to compete in this division, though, no? Oh, Oakland does for sure, for for sure. But but you you were the one that was, and and I I want to touch on what old boy said. You 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 already told me that you didn't think Houston was going to be anywhere. But you know, old boy. Okay, I know they they you know uh, Spring, Springer's departure is a major void in their lineup. But come on, this still this team's still going to score runs. Okay, they were able to retain uh, retain Michael Bradley. You look at the rest of their lineup. They still have Altuve. They've yeah. got Carlos Correa, Bertman, Guriel. I, I mean, I know there are some questions in their pitching staff, but I don't know, man. I think that they can still contend for the top of the division with Oakland. 100%. I think, like I said, I, I think you could see all three of those teams within, you know, three or four games. I think with the Astros, what kind of concerned me a little bit was that starting staff. You know, like Verlander's going to be gone for this year. Yeah. He's rehabbing from that Tommy John surgery. Yep. You know, yep. you have an aging Zach Granke as your ace, which, you know, listen, if he's if he's healthy and he's on, he can pitch like that. Then you're leading on a kid like a Lance McCullers who has always had a hard time staying healthy. And then it's a bunch of kids, you know, it's Jose or and, you know, Christian Javier and guys like that, where it's like, you're banking on upside. They're young guys that last year in a relatively shortened season had a nice chance to kind of step up and, and kind of prove that they belonged hanging around. But, you know, at the end of the day, I guess what it came down to is that Angels thesis is predicated on Otani coming back, being an ace, and then obviously you look at and say, who's the best player in baseball still, or one of the best players in baseball, and it's Mike Trout. And I think with that Astros team, you know, you're banking on, you know, the Kyle Tuckers and the Jordan Alvarez, some of these young guys kind of coming up and having a full 162 games of being productive and replacing some of that production from the Springer. Listen, I think it's going to come down to a game or two. Like, no one's going to run away with it. I think someone's going to – they're all going to be under 90 wins, and they're going to be kind of log-jammed in that 84 to 89 is where I see them kind of ending up. And at the end of the day, I I went with the Angels. I just thought that, you know, I'm I'm going to trust that Mike Trout, you know, he's getting up there. He's 30 years old this year. I think that he's got enough to kind of drag these guys and get them back in the postseason. And they also got a great manager, right? Joe Madden's a great manager still after all these years. Like, you know, the guy worked wonders in Tampa, worked wonders in Chicago, and he's still there in Anaheim. And a lot of guys forget that he's there. But I- I'm banking on him kind of squeezing a little extra of these guys when they need to go out in there and get it done, yeah, right? Yeah, no no doubt. I think a major X factor, though, and and, and you, you didn't mention him, um, and I had him circled highly as for the Astros, is their closer. And I think Ryan Presley, if he can step up, he can be a big X factor for that team um, because they're going to be in games all the way through. And, as you said, if you can ride some of their um, their, their studs with Granky and Odorizzi, um, hey, listen, they could be there. I, I'm not knocking your your Angels pick. I think the Angels are there. Um, Ginger, you 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 want what do you think about Oakland? Do you think that they've they are still the class of that of that division, or or they're not the class, but are, are they going to be tops in that division? Well, I think it, I think it's between the Angels and and the Athletics. I was going to ask you guys: Is there if it's going to be as closely contested as we all think here, is there, and I think old boy might've answered, you know, his question, my question is, is there a manager in this division out of those three teams that can push one of these teams over the top? And I think old boy, you yeah, said it's it gotta with, be Madden, with Madden, I, right? I it's gotta be Madden. Yeah. I just think, you know what, he's a little bit quirky obviously, but as a game manager and his ability to kind of squeeze a little bit out of those guys, um, like Bob Melvin's a great manager too in, in Oakland as well. Like there's a guy that, you know, has manages to get a, a lot out of that roster. And, you know, I think, listen, you, you want to talk about the A's. Like I actually kind of like what they did, you know, like they lost Hendricks, they lost Simeon to the Jays, but they did a nice job in free agency going out there and trying to, 
you know, solidify the back end of that pen. You know, obviously, like Sergio Romo came in. You know, it was Mary Petit. And then they went and got Rosenthal. Yeah, right? Rosenthal where yeah. Down the stretch yeah. Like, Rosenthal was a stud last year with, with San Diego. When he left KC at the deadline and he, he came there down the stretch, like, you know, he looked like the guys from your past, right? So, you know, and then they make a little bit of a minor move that no one's really talking about with, you know, with the Rangers where they kind of go out there. They replace Simeon with Elvis Andrus, which, man, that guy, you know, you want to talk about a leader and a guy who went out there and was playing meaningful ball games, you know, a decade ago when they were out there, you know, battling it out for the World Series. But, you know, you ship out Chris Davis, who seems to be kind of on the, on the you know, on the declining end of it as a DH series production kind of stepping off a bit. And you replace him with, with Andrus. I actually kind of like that. I think it's. Typical Oakland A move, right? Like keep kind of keeps the lineup flowing, like right? Yeah, like and, and and obviously you need big years from Matt Olson and Matt Chapman. If Matt Olson and Chapman are there, and like a kid like you know Jesus Lazardo becomes like a stud, top of the rotation type arm, like they could be hanging around too. Like I said, like it's, I think you got to pick like you know where do you see like you know the the real true alpha dogs in the division sitting and. I know that Houston obviously has the pedigree having been there and there's still a core of that team that's been there for years and it's still going to be there. No one even talks about them. Like the Altuve's and the Correa's and these guys could easily bounce back and have that kind of, you know, pre-2020 type production. If they do, like watch out. It's going to be a no contest. Even if they don't have the pitching, they're just going to they're just gonna score way more runs than anyone else in the division, right? But, you know, the Correa situation is interesting. I want to get you guys your opinion on it, right? So, you know, what do you think they do with him? Because he's going to be a free agent at the end of this season. And this market, this this shortstop market, is absolutely flooded potentially with, like, star shortstops. Like, we're looking at guys like, you know, Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story, Corey Seager in, in Los Angeles, and Javier Baez. So you could potentially have five guys hit the market at shortstop, all, like, you know, under age 30, like, you know, tons of ball left in them. Do you think they bring yeah, him but, back? Do you think do you think that by the time that market hits that 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 Lindor is going to be available? They're no, going to try to lock him. He'll probably he'll right? probably be he'll probably be the one that for sure is off the market. Like you know, Steve Cohen was out like last night having dinner with him, and they're they're I think yeah, I saw like trying to you know three over three hundred and twenty five million over ten years to try and lock him up, right? But yeah, um, but still, they're like you know, what do you think? Do you think they bring him back? Because the Astros are in a weird spot, right? Like I was looking at today, like. After this year, like both Verlander and Granky are off the books, they're gonna have fifty-seven million bucks between those two of those guys off the books, and they can start either they allocate to guy like Cray or they go out there and they get, you know, another stud and they bring him in, right? So that Houston team's in a kind of a weird spot where, you know, this team could look a lot different next year. What do you think with Cray? Do you think they bring him back? Oh, well, I'll hold my thoughts on career. I just think they need another year of um, to see without any zappers or drums banging in the, uh, in the <laughs> dugout. And then I'll decide what they're going to do with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's going to be a major piece for them for the future. And, and, and so I, I see they're going to do everything they can to keep him for sure. That's see, that's my opinion. Yeah. See, I see the, I, I think the opposite. I think that they're going to, they're going to see where they're at. Yeah. I think you got to see where this team's at. And I think with, with like what the old boy said is with those two pitchers aging and possibly on the way out, I think, I think that just segues perfectly into a, you know, you've got those guys on the way out. You've got a good valuable piece that's still well looked upon in the MLB that someone yeah. may, may want to go get to, you know, sure up the center of that infield. And it's, that's a valuable asset to have, you know, you always hear about that in baseball, you know, let's, let's, get let's be strong up the middle let's yeah. get a good catcher let's get an ace pitcher strong up the middle of the infield and a dynamite center fielder and 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 then let the rest of the pieces fall into play yeah that's a pretty pretty big piece uh 
in terms of how the MLB likes to structure and build their teams. I, I don't think Correa lasts the entire year there. Well, time time will tell for sure. I want to go back to Oakland real quick. Uh, you know, you touched on uh, on Chapman for sure, and I think health will be a major factor for him because um, we all know he's an all-world third baseman. But, you know, their biggest question mark is is going to be at second base. So they brought in Jed Lowry to be their potential uh, answer. Um, that's a big gap defensively, um, offensively. So th- that's a piece that, you know, they don't have any answer for. They think that's going to be the answer. So what are your thoughts on that on that spot there? Uh, especially in the lineup there, old boy. No, listen, you know, like that's, that's classic Oakland A ball though, right? Like you're never going to have an answer for everything. And I think you're going to have to try and, you know, it's a lot of, it's all budget. It's all budget constraints. Right. So like, you know, yeah, you, Jed Lowry's probably, I'd say the weakest link on that squad because you go out in that out. I actually like their outfield. I think their outfield actually is decent. Like Mark Canna, you know, Ramon Laureano, Piscotti and Wright, like, you know, and then you got a kid like behind the plate and Sean Murphy, yeah, nice young catcher. But th- you're right, though, that second base spot, you know, and there isn't really anyone even on the bench. Like, you know, what are you going to bring in? Like, what, Tony Kemp, Chad Pinder? I don't know. He could, has like a little bit of that flex to him where he can play kind of all over the field. But yeah, listen, that's a massive hole. But, you know, second base, I feel like second base is one of those positions where you can go out there and get like a, get like a, a glove first utility type guy. Like, a, you know, like you saw what the, what San Fran did with some like Tommy LaStella. Like, go out and you get like a, just get a piece, like a little like min- little infielder, like you know, with the Jays with like a Joe Panic type, a guy who can kind of play all over the yeah. diamond and kind of sure things up. Like I feel like if they're in the hunt, if they're there, like in come July, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Billy Bean goes out and just gets like a serviceable upgrade or someone you can kind of do like a little bit of that uh, that compliment with, right? Where you know, depending upon if it's a lefty or righty up there, you can kind of play the matchup and try and squeeze whoever you can out of that position across a couple guys to try and play the angles and play the play the matchups whenever you kind of try and squeeze it out. Right. So, you know, yeah. listen, for me, it, with, it, with that Oakland team, it just really, it's going to come down to that staff. Like they don't, they don't have a, a true bona fide ace. They're kind of banking on a bunch of guys kind of being serviceable and getting that ball to the back end of that pen and hopefully being in a, you know, you know, looking for, you know, quality starts and keeping things clean. Right. Um, but that's always every year we talk about Oakland and about how the hell they're going to do with that roster and, and that payroll. And they're, they're always hanging around. Like they're mm-hmm. kind of, you know, like the middle little mini Tampa Bay, right? They run a pretty similar system there where it's like pitching yep. and defense and good managing and looking for, you know, arbitrage and good good value when you can find it, right? So they're gonna be there. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be there. Like like you know, like you said, Chapman and, and uh and Olsen, those are two big bats. They gotta bounce back. But they're yep. they got enough pieces there that I think they're gonna be they're gonna be there. They're gonna be definitely be hanging Love. around. Love it. Well, speaking of aces, and to put a little bow tie on on the uh, the AL uh, West for our listeners, we've got the old boy with the Angels coming in with that division. Yep. We've got Dutchie still hanging on to his Houston Astros. And we've got me holding on to the Oakland Athletics and small ball at its finest. So it'll be interesting to see when it shapes up. No, we'll be able to say up. we agree that it's all going to be a close division and we all pick a different winner in there. So that'll be, uh, that'll be fun. Well, I don't think we'll take too long on the NL West because it's really a two-horse race. I don't see how any of you, either of you two could argue any different with me. Um, we can pretty much fire through the Rockies, Diamondbacks, and Giants pretty quickly here and get to the big guns and the Dodgers and the Padres. Well, boy, you, you've got to have it shaping up that way. Dodgers one, Padres two, and throw the rest in the hat and see where it ends up at 70 wins. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I see it coming in. I, I was trying to make an argument where I saw the Padres maybe even – you know, coming out on top. I just, it was going to end up being too cute of a prediction. Like, listen, they got, like, here's a question for you. Who, who's got the better staff? After what the Padres did in the offseason, bringing in Snell and Darvish, and then, you know, you complement that with, 
you know, Musgrove and a Chris Paddock and, a, you know, Denelson Lamont, uh, Lamette, sorry. You know, and then you look at what the Dodgers got. Obviously, they brought in Bauer, you know, their big stud free agent acquisition. And, you know, you pair him up with Kershaw and Bueller and Price. And then one of, you know, one of those kids like, you know, Julio Urias or, you know, May or Gonsolin or someone like that. Like, who do you think's got the best starting rotation between the two of them? It's got to be the Dodgers. More proven. Yeah, no, no doubt the Dodgers, and and who knows what you know. We didn't even really get in this before. We talked about this actually maybe a month ago, but who knows? Even you know, you look at a a price coming back, and you know whether he's he's a, a four, five, sixth, arguably starter. Um, you have to think uh, that they're there. Trevor Bauer is a, a major, major pickup, and listen, we know that the Dodgers went out and got those two big studs in Darvish and Snell so that they can compete. I think they're both going to have a, you know, a hundred plus wins. Uh, but I still, uh, Padres, you meant sorry, the Padres, Padres. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. But the, um, they're, um, they're both going to be a hundred plus wins and, but the Dodgers are still just, the, they're the class of that division. I think, I hope I'm wrong because you, you start looking at, uh, you know, after signing their cornerstone, right. I mean, Fernando Tatis uh, to their extension. I mean, I, I really like the Padres and I, I'd love to see them uh, make some noise because you guys all know my feeling on uh, on baseball and how skewed it is with teams and how the payroll for the Dodgers is just ridiculous. And uh, I just that I, I, that's what pisses me off the most about baseball. So I really like to see, you know, a team like the Dodgers, even though they're spending money, too. I'd like to see the Dodgers overcome it. Yeah, I know. Listen, so, OK, so let's talk about this then. So what would have to happen? For the Padres to, to win this division, so what? Like, what are your concerns with this Dodgers team, if you have any? Right, because I ha- I had a couple when I was going through, looking at them. Like, I think the first thing that jumped off the page with me was, you know, their bench depth, right? Like, you know, they they lost Kiki Hernandez to you know the Red Sox and Jock Peterson's off to the Cubbies. The Cubbies you know, I, yeah. I think they could use another depth bench piece. Like, they're they're banking on a guy like Gavin Lux, young kid coming up and establishing himself as maybe that starting second base. And if not, you got a guy like Chris Taylor who can kind of hang around. But, you know, Peterson was a real nice, like, fourth outfielder piece for them, right? Like, that's my that, – that would be my one concern. My second concern would be, you know, who closes for them? Like, obviously, Kenley Jansen's the sexy name, but, you know, he, he's been having a hard time staying healthy over the last couple seasons, right? So can he stay healthy and hold down that job for the entire season? Like, what are your, what are your thoughts on both of those points there? Well, let me start by saying – a full season with Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Corey Seager, Justin Turner, Max Muncy, Will Smith. Fuck me. Come on. That lineup top to bottom is got to be arguably the best, if not the best in the league. And yeah. and they all still have the pitching. But yeah, but the, but the top, the top four sexy there, but, but I'm not sold like Turner. Okay. Oh, yeah. He can, he can have a down year. Yeah, but he's, Max, yeah, Muncy, they, they like, all can have a down year, but I, the I fact of the matter is, is they, they're where they are and knowing that, that they don't have to produce when they have that type of pitching core. And, and, oh boy, you're right. Okay. You know what? Um, you know, closing games out might be difficult and that's where maybe the Padres might have a little bit edge come postseason time. But I think the Dodgers are going to coast through this season and, 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 you know, you're going to see them at a, you know, 105 to 108 wins. Uh, it, it's it, they're just going to coast, which means that they're going to be so, so strong in the postseason that we all know what happens in playoff baseball boys. You're going to see guys like, yeah, you're going to see guys like Trevor Bauer pitching in the seventh, eighth and ninth sure, inning. Now you're sure. right. You're going to see David price. You're going to see these guys come in, forget the closers. They don't even need them. They're not going to need them with, they have six, you know, pitchers that could be number ones on every bloody team in the, in the uh, major leagues. Yeah. yeah I, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, they, but I think I think 
what what old boys talking about here is is that that we know that they're going to coast into the playoffs like this division they're just going to be able to beat up on yep. the, on the poor here right yep. robin hood's just going to beat up on the poor but when it gets down to postseason time it's, yeah you can throw these guys in but are they going to be successful right are they, like there, there's a different skill there's a different level to high level high leverage pitching right and and to to have you know, Bauer is a starter all year long. That's fine and dandy. He'll, he'll he'll pitch his innings. He'll do his thing. But you can't just throw the, a guy like that in in the eighth inning out of out of the blue after a full season of being the starter, and then just expect them to be successful. Like they they may blow a game or two, and that could end up costing them. And I think that's where old boys getting at is if your bullpen's questionable, and then all of a sudden you're going to rely on the starter that you've had all year to be now be your bullpen. I don't know if that's going to quite work. Old boy. Well, they got a couple options, right? Like, you know, they brought in Blake Trinan, right? It's a guy who's closed in the past. They got Corey Kniebel, the guy who was in you know, Milwaukee the last couple of years who has handled ninth inning duties in the past. I personally think that what's going to end up happening here is they got so much starting pitching depth, and they got some young kids, right, like Julio Urias and, and, and May and, and Gonsolin. I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of these young guys gets flipped. Ends up, ends up get, either he gets flipped for a proven closer brings them in like a, you know, like a, like a, you know, an, a true alpha dog guy who's been doing it for years or one of these young guys grabs the bull by the horns and says, fuck it. If I can't be a starting pitcher on this rotation, given what they have right now, I'll basically add, you know, provide my contribution by coming in and, 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 and holding down the ninth. Right. So like, we'll see how it works out. Like, you know, these young live arms, these guys are able to throw like high nineties with like, pretty nasty stuff like if you can get past the mental side like you talked about and into the whole high leverage situation and you know reworking your routine to kind of come in and, and get loose in a couple you know a couple minutes and get out there and get some outs with guys on or whatnot you know i don't know like I, listen you know what's really funny is that you know i think a lot of people are saying already oh you know dodgers are going to run away with it and they're going to they're be the odds on favorite to win the world series again but it's hard man like i went back and i was looking the last team in the nl to repeat as world series champions Big Red Machine, 1975, uh, 76 Cincinnati Reds. It doesn't happen that often, man. It really doesn't. So, like, something tells me that something's going to happen along the way and they're going to get tripped up here and they may not win this whole thing. Like, I don't know if it's going to be the Braves or someone from the American League, whether it be the White Sox or the Yankees or the Jays or someone steps up and, and knocks them off their perch. But it's hard, man. So, like, I'm, you know, it's, I think they did the right thing by not resting on their laurels. And they went out there, they brought in an ace, they added a couple of pieces, but it's, you know, it's tough, man. It's tough. It's going to be now over 162 games. And, and you worry about like, you know, how's COVID going to factor into this house? You know, I, I feel like guys are pulling up now in spring training with like little pulls and nagging things. And I don't know if their conditioning's off or whatnot, but a lot of baseball to play, man. A lot of baseball to play. Yeah. So, and, 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 and oh boy, 99 out of a hundred times, I'm always going to agree on that one. I mean, it's so hard for, for um, professionals to repeat. And that's why it's always such a big thing. You know, we talk always about it in the NFL and, you know, the, the dynasties and with, you know, Montana's and Brady's, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they've done everything correct in my mind by continuing to get stronger. They won last year, which we all know. And they've only, I'm sorry, I know they've lost a couple of small pieces, but they've gotten better. And there's just no doubt that they're they're the team to beat. And the pressure is is real. We get it. But they've been there. They've, they've, they've done that um, program through postseason play with their pitching. And now they've just added those extra pieces. I just, 
I can't see them uh, um, can't see them uh, relinquishing the championship. I think they're going to be there in the long run. You know, on the bottom of this, you know, let's flip to the bottom real quick. I know we don't sure. have much to talk sure. about, but um, do you see any of those three teams in San Fran, Arizona, Colorado, like winning anything more than seventy five games? I mean. I have I have San Fran at kind of like a seventy six and eighty six, but other than that, I mean, there's just really not much to talk about there. No, I, that's I see San Fran finishing third in the division. Um, you know, listen again. The thing that concerns me the most with that team though is that rotation's really thin. Mm-hmm. Like you got got you got Gossman as your as kind of your de facto opening day number one, but. After that, it really falls off, and and that lineup too. Like you got a couple bats that are, you know, that are okay, but no one that really gets you too excited. Like you know, you got that late blooming, you know, right fielder Mike Yastrzemski. You know, you got a couple vets and Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford. But other than that, like I don't really love that lineup. You know, let's see what Posey looks like after a full year of sitting out from baseball. Yeah, letting his letting his body heal and whatnot. Like. That that would be the catalyst. If these guys make a push and they get anywhere close to over eighty games, it's they go out, they add another arm, like a legitimate, you know, top of the rotation arm. And then if you get a like a not an MVP type season, but you get like kind of a return to form from Posey. Like what about a guy like Johnny Cueto? Like you kind of forget that he's even on still on that team. But yeah. like there's a guy that not too long ago was an ace, a long time. It was probably like 2016, probably his last you know, legitimately good year when he was like, you know, an ERA sub three with like 18, 19 wins. But you think there's any chance a guy like that bounces back and gives you a little something extra? That's a big ask, right? That's a big ask from Cueto to be able to do that. You, I think you nailed it and answered your own question in the fact that it's been a long time, right? And and traditionally in baseball, when it's been a long time, it's been too long, and it's it your your time has come. So I can't, I I, I couldn't buy into that old boy if if that's what someone was trying to sell me on. Okay, so let's let's make a little bit of a move here. Let's let's a little segue out of San Fran to to an Arizona team that features a you know a, a former prominent San Francisco Giant in Madison Bumgarner. What about those Diamondbacks? Because I think if Zach Gallen was healthy and he wasn't opening the year up on the DL, and they had a little one-two punch there, and Mad Bum kind of came back and gave you a little bit of the old school Mad Bum where. He looked like an ace, a guy who was like intimidating, could grab the ball and give you, you know, seven, eight good innings every once in a while. Does that Arizona team got a shot at maybe coming in third in this division and getting to the upper seven uh, in terms of wins? I don't think so. They just can't score enough runs. They just don't have a, have a, a strong enough one through five punch. And with the, the talent that's in this division, it, it's just it's going to be very hard for them to score runs. And you know what? I, I can't see those two guys keeping them in uh, – They'll keep them in games, but uh, there's just way too much firepower in the uh, with the other two, uh, the two, and even if you're going to put San Fran there, <laughs> it, you know, across the board, there's just too much on for all the teams that are in this division. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be tough. Like that's the thing. Like you're really just playing for positioning, and maybe if you got a couple of young kids, you're getting them up there, and hopefully you get the you know them taking those next steps because I just don't know how you compete. Like you're so far behind the eight ball now. Like this is going to be a two. This is going to be like. Old school American League East, where it was Red Sox Yankees every yeah. year for like a decade. This is going to be like this for a decade. The next decade is going to be yep. Padres and Dodgers battling it out year in year out, and they're going to keep tweaking you know that roster to complement the stars they have on both sides. But the, these other three teams are literally just playing for participation ribbons at this point. Like I don't see how they're going to crack you know eighty wins anytime soon. So um, what about these Rockies here? Like obviously the big trade over the, in the offseason with Arenado. 
you know, I, for me, the big question now is what are they doing with Trevor's story, right? Like that, that poor kid, man. Like, you know, he's a legitimate top five shortstop in the game. He's going to be a free agent, free agent at the end of this season. They got to move this guy, get him yep. the hell out of there and try and get something back. Yep. Right? Time to rebuild. There's no way stripper, you resign him. Right? Strip her down. There's no way you resign him. Strip it right down to the, the studs. Yeah. Strip it down to the studs and restart it, man. You, you, like you said, you, you get, let Aeronado go. Get more value for your pieces. Start building through the draft. And when you feel you've got a chance with with some some decent pieces in there, then you go and get yourself some veteran yeah. pitching, some veteran hitters, some two professional hitters, and, and that's the way I would go. Well, yeah, an old boy nailed it. I mean, you look at the next 10 years. It's not going to change. So why why, why try and fight it? Yeah, why try and fight, fight it? an uphill battle. Right? Figure out a way to rebuild and then see if you can find a stud, uh, a stud or two uh, through through the yeah. draft through everywhere, right? When, when those other two teams are coming down 10 years from now, hopefully yep. you're going up, right? That's it. It's just a nuts, eh? Like, you know, they signed – Tatis was a 14-year deal. Yep. Yeah. So I had a question to tie a bow on this one last time because we touched on all four. Old boys done a nice job of getting us to, to all four teams here. One quick question for you guys on the Padres. If Fernando Tatis is not Fernando Tatis and has a down year, can the, will the I know they won't win this division, but will they still make the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I think so. With the pitching staff that they just brought in, I think so. Uh, I think there's enough weapons there, and I, I think with that pitching staff bringing in those two stars, um, yeah, I think so because I think their their division's so weak they're going to beat up on them regardless. Same thing. Yeah. Oh boy, what do you what are your thoughts there? Yeah, you know what, man, it's it's now it's the, it's that pitching. You know, if they had last year's staff where you had a guy like Chris Paddock expected to be your ace, I would have been a little bit more concerned about you know their ability to, to withstand a down year from him. But you know, look at that outfield. Like that outfield is quietly it's one of those outfields that. I can kind of get a little excited about because all three of these guys has that nice element of like, you know, 20 to 25 pop power with 20 to 25 potential stolen bases, right? Like, you know, Will Myers, Tommy Pham, and then Trent Grisham, a young kid that everyone's really excited about seeing another year of development from him, right? Like, I love that outfielding. They're super athletic. They're going to be getting on base and scoring runs. And let's not forget, man. Manny Machado's still there. Yeah, no one even talks about this guy anymore. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. he's totally overshadowed, but the guy's not even 30 years old yet. And like, he's arguably like, do you want to talk about left side? Like I remember a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about that Boston Red Sox left side with Devers and Bogarts. Bogarts yeah. I think, I think this is the best left side in baseball right here. Tatis yeah. and Machado, two kids under 30, big pop, like a lot of pizzazz, good glove. Like that's, you know, no one talks about him. And then you got to even got like, you know, Eric Hosmer at first. You know, like he's obviously guy, he's gonna yeah. live up to, never gonna live up to that contract that he signed, you know, a couple of years back. But he's, you know, he's he's a good leader. He's gonna be that nice left-handed bat. He's a pro kind of helps even things out a bit. I think the Padres are gonna be there regardless, and they're gonna end up north of ninety wins. And even if Tati steps, you know, takes a little bit of a step back here, right? But um, yeah, no, it's amazing how you no know, the, the thing that kind of caught my attention is they managed to acquire, you know, Snell and Darvish. Without having to give up really any of their right. real stud young prospects, right? right? They yep. gave up one of their top five kids, that kid that went to the Rays, Luis Patino. Other than that, like they still have Mackenzie Gore, they still have a bunch of their young, you know, up and coming kids. So, you know, as the Hosmers and these guys roll off and they replace them with young kids, like they're going to be right there, man. Like that's what I mean. Like for the next decade, get used to it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great to see. Like I like to see a new blood. Like, geez, man, you know, the Padres have been relevant since, like, Tony Gwynn and Ken Caminiti and the boys back, like, in the 90s. Love it. You know, like, yeah. Love it. You know? So, I love it, man. It's great. Good, Good stuff. Baseball. 
So well, old boy, we appreciate you coming on there for uh, for three out of the last four weeks, and doing a nice little MLB preview for all our listeners out there. Hope you enjoyed the old, hope you enjoyed the old boy. We won't bug you for about a month, and then I'll get you back on for some NFL draft talk with uh, with you. And oh Dutch. boy. Yeah, I'm jacked up for that, man. It was about a month away now, right? We're getting there, boys. We're getting there. Love Start it. Start counting down. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Listeners, hope you enjoyed the MLB preview. Great having Dutch aboard. Dutch, next week, one-year anniversary. That's it. Yeah. It's call, it's call, you're calling it your last show. I still don't believe it. He still won't look me in the eye right now, old boy. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thanks, guys. Appreciate having all three of us on. Thanks, listeners, for tuning in. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Ginger and Dutch One. The golf season's around the corner. Masters next week. Fun time in sports. And thanks for tuning in to the Ginger and Dutch podcast. I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch.